0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Thursday, October 24th. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no god at on the Canucks roster any longer. Adam Goddett has been sent down to the Utica Comets, yes, uh, after forcing his way onto the team out of training camp. He could not, however, force his way onto the actual Lineup of uh, skaters that take the ice night in and night out. Adam Goddett had been scratched for several games in a row at this point, and I, honestly, uh, look, I I'm a believer in Goddett. I am a believer that he is a key to the solution on that third line, but if you're not going to play him, if he's just going to sit in the press box night after night and waste away, then (laughs) it's probably for the best that you send him down to the minors. And look, that line that I've been clamoring to see put together uh, since, you know, the the final cuts came out, coming out of training camp, is finally reunited. Adam Gaudet and Sven Berchi have magnificent chemistry together. They seem to score at will, and they will be looking to do that for the foreseeable future unfortunately, in the American Hockey League. And honestly, what a farce that this training camp turned out to be. You know, you came into this uh, season thinking that – Vancouver was going to have all these options in terms of all these pieces uh, of what we can form a bottom six with uh, to try and have an improved team over last year, where the bottom six is really the uh, you know the, the key weakness on this team. It's, it's the one spot that bleeds goals, and it's the one spot that they did not improve in their offseason moves, uh, unless, of course, you thought that the guys who were bumped out of the... Top six, we're going to bleed down into the bottom six. I certainly thought that was going to be the case. Uh, they bled down largely to the American Hockey League because it seems like this, you know, it's it's not like we have picked the best of what has been made available to this team in constructing this third line. It's sort of what we're stuck with. And not even... Louis Erickson isn't even included in what we're stuck with. The $6 million man who has played one single game all year this year and doesn't look like he's going to be drawing back into the lineup anytime soon. Um, It's a bit of a joke that this is the way it's played out, but... Uh, personally, I'm a believer that the best that the third line has looked all year long was when Adam Gaudet was at center with Brandon Sutter on his wing, and then take your pick in terms of who you want on the other wing opposite Sutter, uh, I would go with Sven Berchi, as you probably are well aware at this point, given that I hammer this talking point time and time again. But even if it's Michael Furland, even if it's a, a Michael Furland who can rediscover his game a little bit here, or, you know, a Josh Levo who's been bumped out of the top six in favor of Jake Vertanen for the time being, whatever the case may be, you could put together a line that would do better than whatever the third line Vancouver is currently icing. And, um... This third-line wasteland, as Thomas Trance coined it on the show last week, uh, continues to uh, be a festering problem that is not going away anytime soon. Unless, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe maybe the key to all of these problems is just Antoine Roussel reinserting himself into the lineup, coming off of the injured reserve, uh, taking Jake Vertanen's spot in that top six, and then uh, forcing Jake back down to the third line, and then maybe uh, Furland... Sutter, Vertanen line, or a Furland, Sutter, and... Levo line. Look, you can hear me getting depressed as I work these options out in my head. It is not looking good on that third line. It is not looking good for Michael Furland. He is kind of the key to this turnaround in the bottom six. If he can become a player again, if he can look like the guy that Vancouver thought they were getting when they gave him a four-year contract, maybe this will all be a thing of the past. And we will look back at the end of the season laughing about how much time was spent hand wringing about that third line and, and the way that they are playing. Because, look, it's not even really a third line. The way that lines are being deployed right now, uh, the nominal third line is being deployed like a fourth line. Michael Furland is getting less than 10 minutes a game, and guys in similar situations to him are, you know, in similar spots as far as ice time goes. Jake Vertanen, even, as we talked about yesterday, as much as he is nominally on the second line, he is still being used as a fourth-line winger when it comes to ice time. So uh, if if the team had a third line that they could trust – uh, maybe the minutes would be split a bit differently than they are at the moment, but uh, Travis Green not trusting that third trio of forward uh, skaters at the moment, and you can't blame him for that because they have not been very good, no matter what uh, the trio looks like. Outside of uh, Adam Goddett, honestly, who I didn't think was doing badly to start the year, who uh, obviously deserved a spot on this team out of camp and got separated from the one guy that he had chemistry with all through preseason. So. Uh, The one way to spin this is that it's an embarrassment of riches down in the American Hockey League right now When you look at Berchi and Gaudette and Goldobin, probably the top line for the Utica Comets going forward uh, but at least two of those guys, if not all three, should probably be in the NHL. And th- that trio would probably be doing more to move uh, the puck in the right direction and, and generate shots than uh, a lot of the guys that the Canucks elected to keep instead. But enough about that for the time being. We're going to do a deep dive on the American Hockey League tomorrow uh, when I'm joined by yet another guest. And I will let you wait and see who that is going to be. We'll be uh, talking about the Utica Comets and honestly who else would it be i'm sure you can guess right now but uh, i'm not gonna say you'll see tomorrow when i am joined by a certain gentleman to uh, go deep on this team's prospects in the meantime it is a mailbag edition ...of the program today, which means uh, time to take a peek at the questions that people sent in and see if I can do my best to answer what the folks want to know. Before I get into uh, the new questions for this week's show, I should mention that uh, I missed an answer during last week's uh, Twitter mailbag, which only had two questions in it, one of which was, is this team bad? Uh, (laughs) The other was uh, asking me to uh, pick a... Canuck player that uh, lines up with all of the leaders of the national parties in Canadian politics... I forgot to pick a Canuck for Elizabeth May because I completely forgot about Elizabeth May. And that was Nathan Cadell's question. I had him on the show over the weekend. He didn't grill me on forgetting Elizabeth May. Uh, I had, of course, uh, Jackson McDonald from Roxy Fever and Canucks Army on before him. Uh, Roxy Fever said to be uh, the only uh, feminist Canucks podcast. He didn't grill me on forgetting Elizabeth May either. So uh, I will include her now, and I guess if I had to pick a Canuck that embodies uh, Elizabeth May, it would probably be Tyler Mott, because uh, inexplicably popular on the West Coast, and I guess when they're not in front of you, you just ultimately forget that they even exist, which is what I did. So there you go. That's your answer right there to complete the question that I had previously received uh, from Nathan Cadell last week. Uh, Let's see what else we got in the mailbag here. Uh, J.D. Burke of The Athletic and Elite Prospects writes in to ask which Canuck is most likely to tweet Detroit dot 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 I am inside you which is uh, what JD has taken to doing every time he travels somewhere he sends me uh, a text message with those exact words, and then a follow up text message several hours later to make sure I saw it when I do not respond it's It's a bit that I think is supposed to be so bad that it loops back o- around to being good. I personally uh am of the mind that it is uh that it's just bad honestly The answer to that question though. Probably Jake Vertanen. Uh he's putting out the call to any Twitch streamers in the area that uh, he is he, he's in whatever city they're in at any given time. If I had to pick another one, who's who's probably got dad jokes for days? Um see, like Edler has a dry Swedish humor, I would imagine, and he might be of the mind, like it might be so dry that he does find the I am inside you bit, uh to be uh, comical, uh, not me personally, but um, I, I, do, do I want to say that Alex Edler would, would tweet that or text that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't really. But you know what? You know who's lewd go, going by his headband when he was down in Mexico during the All-Star break last year? I'll go with Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson is most likely to tweet uh, whichever city that they are in, he is inside you. <laughs> I'm very lucky that I get to move on from that question and uh, no longer have to say those words again and again. Georgia Twists writes in Can you recite an ode to Troy Stetcher please, and also yell at the people who want to trade him? First of all, I get to take a victory lap on this because I was all over this story last week, and you know what I got? For, for trying to push the issue on this, the, the thanks that I was given for, for all of my hard work on this story a week before it was blowing up on TSN radio uh, on Tuesday. I was told, oh, could you stop, please? Would you just, enough is enough already. Canucks fans and media are just so ridiculous. Why are you wringing your hands in fear about something that might happen eight months from now? Can't you just enjoy anything in the moment? No, this is a story. This is a story that the team plans to re-up Kristanov, and that will probably mean that they will part with uh, Troy Stetcher. Troy Stetcher has reportedly been on the trading block uh, going right back to the draft. They were looking to see what they could get for him there. I do not understand this mentality. I lined it out on the show last week, but I will do so again here. Troy Stetcher is the guy to replace Chris Tanev. Troy Stetcher is better than a number six. He is not a bottom-pairing defenseman. He is good enough to contribute uh, as a number four on a – winning team. He is a solid number four on a contending team. That is how good I believe Troy Stetcher to be. That is how good a lot of people around the league believe Troy Stetcher to be. So maybe... The Canucks can get a pretty penny back for him if they don't believe that uh, that's what he is for them. Unfortunately, that should be what he is for them, and and he's also one of those guys who doesn't put up huge counting stats, so we're going to go through the same issue that we went through already when it was, you know, maybe we should trade Chris Tanev. Well, Chris Tanev doesn't have the value to other teams that he does to this team because nobody appreciates what he does unless you watch him night in and night out. You're never going to look at his stat line and think, wow... Chris Tanev is a guy that that really should command a high price on the trade market. If that was the case with Chris Tanev, that's going to be even more so the case with Troy Stetcher, a guy who uh, you know is a little bit smaller in stature, though not much smaller. You know, whenever anybody makes the case that like, oh, you gotta have some size on your defense. You know, you can't just go replacing a a Chris Tanev with a Troy Stetcher. Of course you can. Chris Tanev is not very large. He is very average size at best. He's just smart, and he knows what to do and where to go at the right times. Troy Stetcher has those same smarts. He is a very intelligent hockey player, and he drives play in the right direction. If you played him more, you might find that you are not spending as much time hemmed into your own end as you could. Currently are every time the third and fourth line seemingly are out there on the ice at the moment. And as I made the case yesterday, if you want to find places where he can pick up some more ice time, cut in to Chris Tanev and Alex Edler's penalty-killing minutes, because that's going to do them in over the long haul, and it will make Stetcher and his agent happier, because Uh, Word was today that the key source of unhappiness and unrest in all of this is no surprise Troy Stetcher's agent, who in a contract year wants his client to be playing more so that he has the ability to show what he can do and demand the kind of contract that he deserves, whether it's from the Canucks or anyone else. And if. Troy Stetcher's agent is unhappy, that probably means on some level, Troy Stetcher is unhappy as well, even though he's a good team guy and is not going to be one to admit it. Like I said yesterday, he kind of just needs to wait this one out and uh, wait for the inevitable injuries that befall Alex Edler and Chris Tanev. Those are coming Absolutely, especially if you do not cut down on the ice time for those guys. And yes, there are other players who can soak up the minutes when those guys go down. I would imagine that the bulk of their minutes will go to uh, some combination of, (laughs) of course, Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers. But to me, Troy Stetscher is a guy who can. Uh, you know, be a regular on your second unit penalty kill and can even uh, perhaps man the point on a second unit power play uh, should depth and injuries uh, put him into that position. He would no- have no problem handling that kind of role, which means he could probably do it right now if they just had the space for him. It's unfortunate, but uh, this is the one case where I guess depth actually does work in uh, Vancouver's favor. They actually do have the defensive depth to keep Stetch in this role for the time being anyways, um, <laughs> they, they like to think they have depth up front. It might be more uh, imagined than real. But Georgia, of course, originally asked for an ode to Troy Stetcher. I don't know if that means I have to sing some kind of song or write a flowery poem about him. Uh, an ode to Troy as opposed to ode to joy. Ah, 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 ah. Instead, I do have a haiku, if that will satisfy the question, Georgia. Uh, here we go. I'm going to go 575, of course, the classic haiku structure. And it is steady defenseman overlooked by his own club won't fetch much in trade. So there you go. That is your haiku about Troy Stetcher. Georgia also writes in with which Canucks do you think voted For the People's Party of Canada, of course, that's Maxime Bernier's extremely racist right-wing party, and I want to say none of them, Georgia, but I'm going to go with probably all of them until proven otherwise. Patterson, of course, would never vote that way. He is a good, sweet boy. He believes in immigrants, and we uh, appreciate all of his uh, tremendous politics, but I have come to learn over the years that uh, you should not think of athletes as your friends in this way. They will always in the end, let you down. So I'm going to say, until proven otherwise, the answer is each and every single one of them, unfortunately. Jackson McDonald writes in, Will Markstrom get extended, and if so, how will that affect the expansion draft? Of course, Markstrom's future was a big topic of conversation in my discussion with Nathan Cadell over the weekend. I kind of talked myself into the idea that if he has a monster season this year, which it looks like he's poised to do, that the team would not be in a position to be able to let him walk, just from a pure optic standpoint. And also, you know, if he lands himself a nomination for the Vesna, I'm sure that they would want to keep him after that. But uh, oh boy, you know what? Expansion draft, that kind of mindset completely has changed my outlook uh, on what this team is going to be able to do between the pipes. Unless, look, they were able to work it out with Alex Edler that they would pay him big money on a contract that would expire right before the expansion draft so that he wouldn't be somebody that they would have to protect or have to worry about at all, and they wouldn't be exposing him to the possibility of going to Seattle either. If Jacob Markstrom really wanted to stay in Vancouver and he did not want to uh, be exposed to the expansion draft and the team still wanted to keep Thatcher Demko, they could hypothetically give Markstrom a monster one-year contract, give him the big money just for one single season. His contract would expire at the end of the year. He would not be eligible to, the, to be uh, a, a protected goaltender in the expansion draft. He wouldn't have to worry about Seattle expansion at all. And then he could re-up the following year at whatever contract he actually wanted in the first place. Is that going to happen? Probably not. But at the same time, hey, they were able to work it out with Alex Edler. Maybe there is just something about the Swedes here that want to be in this city. I don't think... You can give him the monster contract he's going to be looking for if the uh, answer to all that in the end is that you must make Thatcher Demko uh, available via the expansion draft, because if that is the case, you're going to lose Demko to Seattle for sure, and that is a team that is just down the road from you that is going to uh, bite you in the ass quite a bit, I would imagine, uh, the fact that he would be their goalie. Unless you can work something out with Seattle where, you know, you give them a draft pick if they just don't take one of your goalies, which, you know, we saw a lot of those kinds of deals in the last expansion draft, whether or not those are going to be allowed or whether or not that's going to happen again, given the way Vegas turned around and was a, you know, powerhouse team right out the gate. Uh, it's it remains to be seen. But as I look at what is available to Vancouver in terms of what they can protect in this expansion draft, Edler's contract will expire before then. Chris Tanev might be re-upped and then would per- perhaps have to be protected depending on what they want to do. But, you know, I had a very hard time coming up with seven forwards, and even three defensemen to protect on the 7-3-1 split uh, if the team elects to go that way because – Oh, boy, like this is just it – re- it really it opens your eyes to the fact that, uh, you know, the Canucks, for all the talk that they have turned this around and are a different team this year, there still is not a lot here in terms of valuable assets, particularly up front. You've got your obvious selections, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, J.T. Miller, and Elias Petterson. but then you need to round out that uh, mix with three more guys. I elected to go with Adam Gaudette. Antoine Roussel and Jake Vertanen but I think that is a stunning indictment of where the team is at when Jake Vertanen is somebody that I'm thinking they have to protect uh, in the expansion draft. Who knows, though? Maybe Cole Lind will turn out to be a player by then. On the back end, Tyler Myers, Troy Stetcher, and all Ulevi Levy are my 3D that I would protect. But hey, the team probably plans on trading Troy Stetcher by then anyways, so who knows? The good news is Quinn Hughes is uh, draft-exempt, so you do not need to waste a spot protecting him. Uh, he gets to uh, coast through this, uh, no questions asked, but... There's not a lot there on the back end and up front, man. It is uh, it is slim pickings as far as what to protect. And then you have to take your pick. Jacob Markstrom, Thatcher Demko, which of the two do you want to keep in the draft? You're going to have to make that decision before you get there. And it, that decision will essentially be made by Markstrom's contract, whether he stays or goes. The question originally was, mil- will Markstrom get extended? <sighs> I'm going to say yes, he will. But having thought this out and gone through this entire thought experiment, I've changed my mind and have uh, landed on uh, that he should not, unfortunately. Because I like the guy. I want him to be part of this team. But if the uh, you know, the question is, do you keep him and uh, lose Demko to the expansion draft or be forced to trade Demko before the expansion draft, I want to keep that as the goalie tandem for a couple years here. And unfortunately, that's not going to be an option. This question comes from Audrey Bowler, one of the hosts of Puck Bunnies. And Audrey asks, why doesn't Rogers Arena have a good Star Wars theme night? The new movie comes out in the middle of a long homestand, and they play the nights the day before. Just thinking out loud here, yes, I am available to plan it. Consulting rate charged on hourly basis. They did a Star Wars theme night last year, Audrey, and it wasn't that great. Honestly, like the big takeaway of Star Wars night last year was that Georgia Twist did her hair up like Princess Leia, the cinnamon bun style. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they had an R2-D2 robot roaming around the concourse. There was, uh, you know, obviously guys dressed like Darth Vader and stormtroopers and and whatnot. But on the whole, I didn't feel like the theme really came together to uh, provide a a tremendous night that felt any different from any other Canucks game. I guess Georgia could speak to that better than I can, because she was actually at it and I was just listening to it as I worked the game for the radio broadcast, but uh, it felt like a bit of a letdown, and I didn't really feel, feel like they came up with great merch out of it either. Uh, they could try again. I feel like a lot of sports teams... Here's the thing that the Canucks don't do. This is the problem, and <laughs> this is an indictment of just Francesco Aquilini being cheap in general. They don't come up with giveaways. Like, it would be great to go to Star Wars night and then you come out of it with, like, a bobblehead of uh, Elias Petterson as Luke or whatever, right? Like some piece of merchandise that actually like cemented the night as having an imp- uh, any sort of meaning on the schedule. Uh, as far as a, a specialty evening goes, but we don't have bobblehead nights in Vancouver really, other than when the Sedins retired. We don't have giveaway nights here. We don't have uh, you know bobbleheads of players like that. Uh, it's it's sad, unfortunately. But if they wanted to do an effective Star Wars night, they could do it. And look, I just gave them the merch idea right there. Uh, Luke Skywalker, but he's Elias Pedersen. What more do you need than that? Perfect. Come on, let's go. And one final question, this one from the godfather of the podcast, uh, the man who runs the entire Locked On NHL network. Sean Woodley asks, do you have a theory as to why the Canucks have historically had very ugly jerseys? And also, please detail your thoughts on their only good jersey, the blue to red gradient ones. I call those the plum jerseys, Sean. but I do agree with you that they are good. Those got lumped in during opening night this year, uh, the home opener anyways, as being some of Vancouver's worst jerseys ever. I really was fond of those when I was in high school. And maybe maybe it's just that sports jerseys are exactly like SNL casts. The ones that you loved in high school are the ones that are the best forever. Uh, I, I I, am kind of fond of that gradient one. You know what I even like? The salmon one. Uh, the, the red and orange one that uh, they wore, of course, during the McGilney and Pavel years, the jerseys that were stolen from a laundromat. They, they were getting those jerseys laundered, and uh, somebody broke in and stole them all that night. And then the team never produced more of them because the fans hated them so much that uh, why go back to wearing them after you lost all of your jerseys in the laundromat? Maybe it was the team themselves that broke in, or maybe they tipped somebody off. <laughs> Here's where we dropped our laundry off. Go steal it all so we don't have to wear these jerseys anymore. Either way. That is something that happened, a little historical note in the history of the Vancouver Canucks. I don't, I don't think that the Canucks jerseys have historically been ugly. I, I'm not a big fan of the white jersey that they wore during the West Coast Express years, but I do like the navy blue one uh, with the maroon trim, which I know that color scheme gets derided a lot as being, you know, Orca Bay corporate colors and not something that reflects the team or the city. Big fan of the original jerseys, of course, from back in the 70s. I ironically like the Flying V. Uh, I like the yellow one. I like, the obviously, the black skate is one of the most classic jerseys in history. There's not a lot to hate, really, in the lengthy history of Canucks jerseys. There's a lot of weird ones, certainly, but, uh, you know, I kind of like them all. Maybe I'm just weird that way. Anyways, that's it for today's Mailbag episode. Of course, if you want to get your questions in for future editions of the Mailbag, as I am sure I will be doing this again, you can head on over to at LockedOnCanucks on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, at Justin Morris. That's with one R and one S. And as I've been saying uh, at the end of the show all week lately, uh, going into last week as well, do me a solid head on over to the iTunes store, head on over to wherever you get this podcast, rate and review the program. If you enjoy it, that helps other people find it as well and it would be doing me a huge favor so i appreciate that if you're one of the many people who's already done it if you haven't please do me a solid and head on over and do that until tomorrow i'll be back to uh break down what's going on with the utica comets and i will be joined to do that by oh i'll just tell you it's cory Hergot. he's coming on the show tomorrow and i'm uh looking forward to chatting with him i hope you will come back and hear that chat as well. Until then, I'm Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.